the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You can never lose something that you know where it's at. And we know where those who have gone before us, we know where they're at. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Entitled this message, Wanting Heaven. You ever been on vacation a little too long? You go on like a week's vacation, right? And then at the end of the week, you're like, oh, it's like I just got here. I don't want to go back. No, it's like, oh, I got to go back to the grind. We hate that. But then if you take like a two-week vacation, at the end of two weeks, you're kind of like, that's not the worst thing in the world to go home, you know? And if it's a three-week vacation, all right, I'm done with it already. I want to go home. I want to get back in my routine. I want to sleep in my bed. I want to eat my wife's good cooking, okay? I'm sick of eating out. Yes, you could call it being homesick, you know, because we long to be home. Yet there's many other things that people can long for, you could say. Things like falling in love for those of you that are singles that might be at the top of your list it's pretty cool uh, to fall in love you might even think that it's easy to fall in love that is if you do it the way of the world all you have to do is just look at someone who you're attracted to and think they look good to me i want that okay that's it that's all it takes in the world but to truly fall in love with someone especially as a christian you have to find the right person why is that Because as a Christian, God commands us not to date, do not be romantically involved with a non-Christian. Why is that? Because the Bible says what fellowship has light with darkness. As a church, we do a lot of counseling. And guess what's the number one area of counseling in all churches? It's marriage counseling. And why is that? Because people will meet and quote, fall in love, and they will invest a huge amount of money, some people do, in the wedding of their dreams, but they fail to invest in the marriage that follows. Yes, many will long to fall in love, but few will do little to ensure that that marriage lasts by building it on the scripture. God's the one that created marriage, so he's given us his owner's manual of how to make a marriage work, and that's his word. And so when things start failing, you realize that it's because things are not done according to how God said to make a marriage work. Another thing that many will long for is, man, I need some more time. 
you know, we wish we had just more time, time to do the things that we want to do, uh, which always would include things like sports and hobbies and, and all the things that we long to do, places to go, people to see. Then there are those who will long after peace of mind. But how in the world can we have a peace of mind when our world has gotten so chaotic and crazy around us? Well, there's good news. One day, we will long no more. We will long no more for anything. Why? Because one day, we will have everything we could ever imagine. One day, every true believer will enter into this place called heaven. It's a place of paradise. And we will see God the creator of the universe, of everything that's seen and unseen, we will see him face to face. We will receive a spiritual body with no sin nature, a body that will never, ever die, nor will it ever see any sickness or disease again. The Bible says this about heaven in Revelation chapter 22, verse 2. It says, And there shall no longer be any curse, no curse in heaven, And the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And his bondservants, that's us, shall serve him. And they shall see his face. And his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall no longer be any night. And they shall not have the need of a lamp or a light or the light of the sun. Because the Lord God shall illuminate them. And they shall reign forever and ever. And guess what? That's a long time. (laughs) That's a long time. And did you notice all those shells in there? There shall no longer be any curse, for the Lamb shall be there. And we shall serve God. We shall see His face. His name shall be on our foreheads. That's God's seal upon us. For God is our Heavenly Father. And he has sealed us and sealed our place with them in heaven because he loves us. Once we ask Jesus into our heart, his commitment to us is way greater than our commitment to him. And he continued with, there shall be no more darkness. We'll never have to be scared of the dark ever again. For God shall sign his glory throughout heaven. So much so that the sun is no longer needed. And we shall reign with him again forever and ever. Yes, those shells are all great promises for you and for me. What a treasure we have to look forward to as we will all stand in heaven in the midst of the almighty God. He will know our names and, and, and for he has forgiven us of all of our sins by coming to the earth for one reason to be brutally bludgeoned to death, and to die for you and me on the cross, bearing our sin on his body. And for those who are born again, born from above, those who have received Christ in their heart as their Savior and Lord, we are promised a complete eternity in that place. Well, let's look at our first point here, wanting heaven, as we read together here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Picking up in verse 1, it says, For we know that if this earthly tent... Now, what he's talking about with an earthly tent, we'll get into more details on this, but he's talking about our body, this body that we live in. It's considered a tent because, see, your spirit, who you are, 
That's what's going to heaven. This body isn't. I'm sure you've been to a funeral once or twice in your life. And if it's an open casket funeral, isn't there a body in that casket? Okay, so the body stays here. But you, the individual who lives in this body, so this body is a tent that we dwell in until this body dies, and then we go to heaven. So, so he says, for we know that if this earthly tent, talking about our body, which is our house, we live in this house, that your spirit, who you are, if this is torn down, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan. Do we not groan at times? Moan and groan? Longing to be clothed with our dwelling in heaven. Insomuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, on this side of heaven, we groan, being burdened with all kinds of problems, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who prepared for us this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. Remember, we have the Holy Spirit of God, a piece of him living inside of us. Therefore, verse 6, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So as long as I'm in this tent, I'm not with Jesus, right? When I leave this tent, then I'm with him. So knowing that I'm not with the Lord. Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body, the tent here, and then I'll be at home with the Lord. Therefore, also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to the Lord. Wow, there's a lot there. So let's kind of pull it apart here. Notice in verse 1, Paul refers to our bodies again as an earthly tent. Now, if you have a King James Bible, it says our earthly house. But he's referring to a tent. As you know, Paul was a master communicator with people, and he was able to take God's word and break it down in a way where people could understand it. So he spoke in a way that the people understood. So what he's saying is, for many of those that were listening to Paul as he would speak to them, they lived in tents. And so Paul himself, he was a tent maker. So these people understood that a tent was a temporary home. It wasn't meant to last forever, just like these earthly bodies. For we too are not going to last forever. The older we get, the more frail we become. We don't heal as fast. We don't recuperate. Here, here's the difference between me and a 20-year-old. The next morning, he's ready to play again. The next day, I'm like, I can't even hardly eat breakfast. <laughs> okay. But again, we will eventually, in these bodies, we're going to eventually die. I mean, this isn't any secret, right? Don't we all know this? The Bible talks openly and often, very candidly about death. We are likened to a vapor where we're just here. We're a vapor, then it's gone. See, in the midst of eternity, when you look at eternity, billions and zillions of years, even if you were to live a full life of 80 or 90 years, 100 years old, your life is like a vapor. It's just here and then it's gone compared to eternity but then the Bible says, then comes judgment. Yes, one out of every one person will die. But notice the good news is 
there in the second half of verse 1. He says, he said, and after this house or this tent is torn down, referring to us dying, he said, we have a building from God, and this one is like a concrete edifice, a building of permanence, and it implies solidity and, and security. It's our heavenly body, and it's not made with hands. It's eternal. It's forever. It'll never go away. Again, it's one that will last forever. So let me remind you where he's coming out of chapter 4 into chapter 5. See, again, man puts the chapter breaks in, right? These were a continuous letter. And sometimes you have these chapter breaks and you think, okay, well, whatever happened in chapter 4 has something to do with chapter 5. No, 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 no. Chapter 4 had everything to do with chapter 5. Let me just read to you. If you just back up here a little bit, go to verse 16. It says, therefore, we do not lose hearts. Though the outer man is decaying, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is is producing an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he's just coming off saying saying that, yes, our our outer man is decaying. And now verse 2 says, we groan. Or better yet, we, we sigh with grief, for we long to be clothed with our new body in heaven. Why? Because we have all these problems on earth. We have disappointments. We have setbacks. We have people that cause pain in our lives. And then we have ourselves. Let's not forget ourselves. Let's not put it all on everyone else. We make bad mistakes. We make bad decisions. We, we sin. We do things that are wrong. So, so we cause our own misery a lot of times ourselves. So we sigh with grief. Paul longed for the new life. When he said in Philippians 1.21, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live, I want to keep focused on serving the Lord. To die, well, that's gain. Why? Because I get to go home and be in an eternal body. Remember the struggle that he had with his own sin? Remember at the end of Romans chapter 7, he goes, You know, the things that I want to do, the things that I know are pleasing to God, oh, I don't do those things. He says, but the things that are displeasing to God, the things that I know that he hates, those are the things that I do. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin and death? Have you ever felt like that? I have. Like, oh, my goodness. It's like, I can't believe I I did that stupid thing again that I fell to that same sin another time. I can't believe it. Yes, as he said in verse 3, we will not be naked in God's presence for we will have a real body, an eternal body, when we get to heaven. And we will live in a real place. And again, it is called heaven. And how do we know this? Because verse 5 tells us that God has sealed us with his personal guarantee. It's like a, a contract agreement with you. Now, we have contract agreements on important things, right? Things that are not important, like stopping it in and out and getting a burger, which is kind of important, but it's like there's no contract agreement. When you go to buy a car, though, oh, man, that's like the, the contract's this long, right? It's like, how can the contract be that long? You know, they sign here, initial there, sign here, initial there. I mean, you're signing your life away. It's like you're agreeing that you're going to pay all that money for that car. We're going to charge you interest and all of these things. And then on a bigger investment, like buying a house, oh my goodness, okay, that's even worse. Oh my goodness, that stack of papers is thick, and they just keep flipping them and flipping them, and you're just signing, and it's just like, did you read what you signed? 
No. Do we have 60 hours here to, to sign? I mean, it takes me two days to read two pages. Of the fine print, you don't even know what it means anyway. I mean, you're reading all these disclosures. And it's like, what does that mean? I don't know. You know. Just sign away. You know, Just give me the pen. You know, it's like, But it's like, look what you have to sign. So God goes into a contractual agreement with you. When you ask him to come into your heart as your Savior, he says, I'm going to give you the seal of the Holy Spirit a piece of myself to live inside of you. So when Satan comes around you, he sees on your forehead, like, do you see anything on my forehead? You don't see it, but in a spiritual sense, it's there. And when Satan comes, it's like, oh, he can try to oppress us, and he does, right? But he can't possess us. He cannot come inside and live in this tent because I have been bought by the blood of Jesus. Yes, so he has sealed us with his Holy Spirit of promise, And he's given to us as a pledge. It's God's down payment. It's his guarantee that we're his. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 16. He says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. It's from the Greek word parakletos. Same word that we use and translate as advocate. It's one called alongside to walk with you by the holding of the hand. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. The non-believer can't have this. You can go to church all day long. You can go seven days a week. But you can't have this until you get real with God. Because it does not behold him or know him. But you know God because he abides in you and he will be in you. And Jesus said in verse 18 of, of John 14, I will not leave you as orphans and I will come to you. So we have a spirit that, of God that actually lives inside of us. It's crazy, but it's true. So Paul points out in verse 6 that as long as we are in this tent, this temporal body that we're all living in, we are absent from the Lord. But as soon as we leave this body, when this body ceases to be alive, then and that would be by death, or early, uh, either premature or by old age, meaning an accident happens, or old age. And then verse 8 says, then we will be forever with the Lord. And that will be for It's just time without end. Meaning a hundred zillion years from now, you will still be alive in this body with the Lord. So as Christians, as true believers, this is our hope. We long for heaven. And as soon as we take our last breath here on earth, we will go immediately into the presence of God. And for all of you who've lost a loved one, if they've received Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior into their hearts, I can promise you, based on the truth of God's word, you will see them again. They have gone ahead of you, but you will see them again. We have a dear brother in our fellowship named uh, Masai, and uh, about a week and a half ago on a Thursday, he had called over and said, hey, my mom took the flu shot, not the flu shot, the COVID shot, and she's going into ICU here across the street. Can you pray for us? We're like, well, yeah. So me and Pastor John just, we're not just going to pray for her. We're going to pray for her. So we immediately walked across the street And he met us down in the lobby, and then we went up to her room, and we were able to pray for his mom, Betty. And so, you know, we prayed for her. Well, a few days later, it's like, she went home to be with the Lord. It's like, oh, my goodness. It's like, wow. 
And I have to say, I loved his mom. I mean, it's like she would, you know, I stand at the door and she'd just always give me a hug and she's just a, a beautiful saint. And, you know, but this is our hope. It's like we didn't lose Betty from our fellowship because when you lose something, you don't know where it's at. We didn't lose Betty. We know exactly where she is. She's with our, with our father. She's in heaven. And, and I will see her again. Messiah will see his mom again. We, we will see her again. Know this. You can never lose something that you know where it's at. And we know where those who have gone before us, we know where they're at. And I'm sure you all have family members that have gone on before you. But that's why it's so important for them. Do they know Christ? See, Paul says in verse 9, that we need to be pleasing to the Lord, though. But how can we be pleasing to the Lord? It's by sharing this message of life with those that are around us, that there's a God in heaven that loves him, and he desires to have a relationship with them. Let me ask you here, what about your family, your friends, your neighbors? What about you? Do they know how to get to heaven? Have they heard this message of truth from God's word? Do you know that you know? It's like my grandma that I was probably closer to is my mom's mom, probably closer than anybody of all relatives that I've had, including my parents. I love my grandma. Man, when I was growing up, I'd stand by the mailbox when it was getting close to my birthday because my grandma never forgot me. Then that check came in the mail. Oh, yes, I'm a rich man. (laughs) But my grandma, she was just so sweet. I just, I loved her. She got really sick. She was in the hospital. I jumped on a plane. I went back to New Jersey. And I mean, I walked into her room. She had no idea I was coming. And it's like, you know, Grandma, do you know the Lord? Yes, yeah, I know the Lord. And she was kind of that... Well, you know, I know the Lord and, you know, whatever, and everyone's going to heaven and, you know, and I'm like, no, not everyone's going to heaven. Why? I think everyone's going to heaven. Well, not everyone's going to heaven, Grandma. You know, just something happens when you you get to a certain point in your life and you know it's your end. There was a lady that was coming here with her son for a long time and her husband had come here a couple times he was a total new ager, you know, just whatever, thought this whole gospel thing was ridiculous and everything. Well, he had cancer, and he was on his last leg. And I went to his house, and he sat there for 45 minutes telling me how I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this, and, and this, and that. And, and it's like, I'm going to live, and I'm going to pull through this, and I'm drinking this herbal tea, and this, and that, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know. And I'm just like, uh-huh. And I listened to him for like 45 minutes, and then he got done, and I said, well you're going to die. And he said, nothing. And I shared the gospel with him. He gave his life to Christ. It's like, you know, you can think whatever you want to think. The reality is people are going to die. And people have gone to their deathbed and I've shared the same thing. And they're just like, well, I'll take my chances. Don't take your chances. Your chances aren't good because you're going to die. You're going to stand before God. Let's read what he says here in verse 10. And he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Boy, see, that should just wake everybody up right there, that first sentence. For we must all appear that each one may be recompensed for his own deeds in the body according to what he has done. Wow. Whether good or bad 
Wow, that's, that's a sobering thing. You're going to stand before God, everything you've done in your body, good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, you don't want to face God as your judge. You want to face God as your Savior, your, your Messiah. You don't want to face God as your judge. That's not a good thing. He says, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. Verse 12, we are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, that you may have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all. Talking about Jesus, of course. Therefore, all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla, one word, dot org. As well as writing to our P.O. Box, 34789 Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.